Would you please turn with me to Matthew 25? When Jesus Christ walked in this world, He was the best teacher that man has ever known or seen, and we're so blessed to have some of His teachings recorded for us. In the end of the Gospel of John, it says, if everything were recorded that He gave and that He did, the world itself could not contain the record. With that said, there are times when Jesus Christ spoke where the message was crystal clear and was so effective. And there were other times when Jesus spoke And it appears to be almost a riddle when He speaks. Jesus did not call these riddles. He called them parables. And as we begin our time in God's Word today, I want to read one of the parables found in Matthew 25. And this is one that not everybody would have gotten when Jesus told it. And this is a parable that even as we read it on this day, many will miss. They will move right past this time, and they will not have received the message about what God has given to us and what we are to do with it. And so let me challenge you as we look to Matthew 25 to receive the message that Jesus Christ would have wanted us to receive. Of course, when we look at the parables, He was speaking, I think, primarily to His disciples, but so many others had the opportunity to catch this. We're going to back up one verse before this parable starts just to give us context. Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 13. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So that's the context. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. And so also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, and he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. And so I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, 
you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was mine own with interest." So take the talent from him and give it, give it to him who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given, will, will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has, not, who has not, even what he has will be taken away. When we look up the word steward, the word steward of which you and I, every one of us are a steward of something... It means to look after. This very day, you have been entrusted to look after something that God has given you. And it was not enough in this parable that the one unfaithful steward was able to give back what he was given. He was a poor steward. And so what he did was he wasted it. He wasted his time. And he had nothing to give to his master when the day of judgment came. What we'll see in God's Word today are a few different ways that we can use our time and use our resources so that when it comes to the end, we are not ones that have wasted those resources. Don't you hate wasting time? Some of you do. Some of you are really, really good at it. (laughs) Wasting time can be a challenge for many people And most of us don't mind wasting time as much as we mind someone else wasting our time. Don't waste my time. Have you ever thought that to yourself or even told someone that? It's a shame to have something that is valuable go to waste. Each of us has something that is valuable. All that to take us to Acts chapter 2. Would you please turn to Acts chapter 2? In your Bibles, if you uh, are using a a pew Bible, it's page 1040. And we are right now um, in a series talking about what the church is to be busy with. There have been countless books and lessons taught about what the church is supposed to be doing. And when we as a church family look at what we're supposed to be busy with, we've narrowed it down to four main objectives, worship, instruction, fellowship, and expression. I'm going to ask you to say those with me if you have them memorized. Let's say it together. Worship, instruction, fellowship, and expression. Everything that we do here at Calvary should fall underneath one of these four main objectives. And so we spent time a couple weeks ago looking at worship, looking at what it means for you and I to gather together and what happens when we worship. We spent time previously, uh, last week, looking at instruction, the challenge for us to be nonstop students, learning more, knowing that we can never exhaust the Word of God. Next time, we're going to look at the area of fellowship. We're going to be having our ministry fair. We're talking about Calvary Connect, which is displayed over here um, to my left, your right. Everyone should belong and encourage and grow at a local church, and we want you to be a part of that. And today I'm going to preach on the expression of God's love. Sometimes we refer to this as evangelism. 
When we come to sermons on evangelism, these are challenging to preach oftentimes because of how many things have been said about it and how little is being done. But I know evangelism is taking place, and here's how I know that. Because I'm looking into the eyes of individuals who have heard the message of Jesus Christ and how He can save. I'm confident in God's plan for evangelism because Jesus' church is going to be here until He returns in the clouds. And until He comes back for His church, there will be people coming to Christ, gathering together, and waiting for Him. And so I'm an optimist when it comes to evangelism. As a church family, there are a few different ways that we want to point you in the area of evangelism. The first one is this. Evangelism in the Calvary family will take the gospel to people that we share life with. Every one of us is connected to someone. And those individuals, maybe they know Jesus, but maybe they don't. And those are the ones that are prime for you to live the gospel, and to share the gospel. Look in Acts chapter 2. Go down to verses 46 and 47. Of course, this is right after Pentecost when the church first started and thousands have just come to Christ. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's so exciting to read about Pentecost. It's so exciting to hear about someone being born again. We get excited about things like that. Just this morning, I had a gentleman stop me in the hallway, and he he had to tell me something. He had to share something with me. He had a brand new grandbaby born just this morning. Today is that baby's birthday. And he's excited to share that. I wanted to let you know that. My wife's not here. She's down with with our daughter and the new baby. And we're so excited. We're so glad. And that should bring a smile to our face. We should rejoice when someone rejoices in that way. And when we see individuals, thousands upon thousands coming to Christ, that should cause us to rejoice. And that should put, a, put a, some gasoline on our fire to want to get individuals to hear that same message. But as we look at these verses here, there's a few questions that I'd like for us to ask and answer. The first question, who is it that does the adding? This is an extremely important question. And many folks don't have the answer to this question correct. And if we get this wrong, it will be a huge waste of our time. It will have us so busy doing things that God has no involvement in. So who is it that does the adding? It is God. It said right there, it was the Lord who added to their number. Now, any of us that know Jesus Christ, we can testify that, yes, God does the increasing, but He uses means. He uses different ways for the gospel to be presented, to be heard, to be accepted. We don't have the time to go around and share all the different ways 
that you individuals heard the gospel and responded to it, but there must be at least dozens of different ways that God used to present the gospel. But we have to get this straight. Who is it that does, does the adding to the family of God? It is God. Without Him involved, there is nothing that is going to genuinely happen. I think the Apostle Paul was addressing this a little bit when he wrote to the church at Corinth. Because when he was talking to them, he, there were some individuals that had some of their favorite methods, or I should say some of their favorite men in the church. Here's what Paul said. He said, some of you, you, you really like me a whole lot. I mean, you know, you just you take after my style and what I do. And I've heard that there are others of you that you really like what Apollos has done. He's your guy. He's the one who you get excited about. And so the Apostle Paul wrote in chapter 3, verse 6 of 1 Corinthians, I planted. Apollos, what did he do? He watered, but God gave the growth. We must get this right. God is the one who gives the increase. And let me just encourage you, don't waste your time with anything else. Now, the devil wants to sneak in. There is nothing the devil hates more than losing a soul that's going to be destined for hell. He hates to lose one. And so he wants to take on evangelism. He hates it when people are excited about souls coming to Christ. And he doesn't have omniscience like our God does. He doesn't have all power like our God does. But what the devil is, is he's an expert student at studying anything that we can do that's effective. And so what the devil will do is he will see when individuals are turning to God and he will attack that. How might the devil turn this into a time waster for you and I? Well, he could get us stuck on just our favorite method. In Corinth, some of them liked Paul's approach. Some like Apollos' approach. And the devil might get you and I stuck on maybe what we got saved with. Can I ask you just to take a moment right now and, and think of the path that took place that brought you to Christ? Maybe there's a name that stands out to you. Maybe it's someone in your family. Or maybe it's someone who knew the gospel and knew that you needed it. Maybe it was a, a preaching time. What was the path that you were on? Now, don't you love that path? I, I love that path. I love the way that the Lord Jesus was so good to bring me to a saving knowledge of His Son. But if we are not careful, we can get stuck and say this is the only way. And the devil is going to attack. And so if you have a favorite you know, method of sharing the gospel or a favorite track or book or even a program, the devil will attack. And so let's not get stuck on that with an understanding that what God wants from us is faithfulness, and then He will give the increase. So the devil can turn this into a time waster if we get too dependent on just one method or our favorite method that doesn't work anymore. Also, it can become a time waster when we become discouraged when it appears that God's not doing anything. This is huge. 
when we read Acts chapter 2 about Pentecost, when we go through seasons where we see individuals coming to Christ, people getting baptized, the body of believers growing, the church family growing, it can become very discouraging when it appears that God is not doing a work. And so what it does, it causes us to kind of do nothing, no longer get excited, no longer try. First of all, we ask the question, who is it that does the adding? It is the Lord. The next thing that we ask about this is, who was being added? In the book of Acts, there were thousands that got saved when the gospel was first preached in a miraculous way, but then when you continue to study, we see that the church grew. We don't find that they all had these uh, opportunities to perform miracles, and that's why it grew. But the ones that were being added were the ones who were connected to lives that were changed. And this should be an encouragement for you. We live in a different day. We live in a time where even in our country there are Christian values that are almost expected in so many ways. These Jewish people, they were primed for true salvation. They were looking for a Messiah. They were sick of the religious hypocrites. And they wanted very much for individuals who experienced something that was real, and they wanted to have that. Now, let me ask the question, who was it that noticed first? Of those folks that got saved on the day of Pentecost, and then thousands more got saved, who was it that noticed first the person's real faith. It was the ones they spent time with. They might have been on the job, individuals they worked side by side with for 8 or 10 or 12 hours, and there's something different about you. Very much so, we spend time with individuals in our family. You are able to influence those that are from your own household and in your own family. Now, we understand that God could have used any method that He wanted for evangelism. You understand that, right? God can do anything. God wasn't put into a box. If God wanted to, He could make the skies rumble with thunder, and everybody looks up, and then He can peel back the atmosphere and say, hey, everybody, I'm God. You need to accept me. But He did not choose to do that. Instead, God chose to use men and women to share the message of the gospel so that people would respond. For each soul that is turned to Him, it was the message of Jesus Christ who died, was buried, and rose again, and who's coming again, and is coming again. It is this message that was shared from a person who knew that message and from a person who had a burden to share it with others. You are here today because God did the saving, but the means that God uses is for someone who has a burden. And I hope you pray for that person, that one who shared with you Christ. For some of you, you you were raised in a Christian home. 
I love the expression, I, I, I've, I've, I believe that Jesus was God since before I can remember. There has to come a point where it becomes our faith, no doubt about it, but there are some who the parents, it's so important to them that their, that their young person, the one that God has entrusted them with, that they believe that Jesus is God and that He died on a cross and that they, as beautiful and perfect as those little kids are, they are sinners. They're enemies of God and God has made a way for them to have fellowship with Him. And some of you have taken this very, very seriously. I would say thank you for that. I would say thank you to my parents who made sure that I was in front of a gospel witness since before I could remember. Being influenced not only by good people, but by individuals who loved Christ. And some of you need to have that burden a little bit more. We had an activity yesterday, and as I said, we had many people from our church family that were there but I was just so pleased with how many parents, and specifically how many grandparents, had brought their grandchildren. They want their family members to be exposed to this. They know the saving power of Jesus Christ, and they want those who they're closest to to know it as well. And then another question we ask about this is, when were they being added? And we just read it right there in the text, day after day, all the time. And what we see from that is, is the evangelism isn't necessarily something that we're going to plan and it's going to happen on Monday. But if God's going to work and if you have confidence that He wants to save people and if you have a burden for them, it's going to mainly come from a life that is overflowing with the Spirit. Something different about you. And even sometimes when people will see that, they might not be really drawn to it right away. Maybe they are. Maybe they like those values that you have. But for some individuals, they'll see you and they'll think that's a bit odd. It's a little bit off. And when we consistently live in a way that the Holy Spirit is flowing out of our lives... This is what it, why the church in Jerusalem grew so much. And so let me just bring it to you and I today. Don't you think that you and I should ask God for this? Do you think we would be out of place if even tomorrow morning when we go to the Lord, if we were to say, God, would you use me and my life to show the wonderful love of Jesus Christ to another? Would you join me in doing that? This has been a burden on my heart. And when I mention it can get discouraging when we have, it seems like droughts and I'll talk to pastors and different churches and it seems like a long time between when we see lots of folks come to Christ we can pray about that. God will use us. It's not wasting your time to invite the ones that you spend time with to have their own faith. And then next, as a church family, we are stewards of this. Evangelism in the Calvary family will take the gospel to our community. 
we can join our resources, join our efforts together to take the gospel to our community. And I want to turn to Acts chapter 16 for this. Would you turn over there with me? It's not going to seem like a really big community, but this was the text that stood out to me to try to present this. Acts chapter 16, we find Paul and Silas are in jail. Now, I mentioned a little bit ago that some people might observe the Spirit overflowing in your life, and they might think it looks a little bit weird. It's my opinion that's what we find here. I think when Paul and Silas are in jail, and they come to midnight, and for those of you who know the story, do you remember what they were doing at midnight? They were singing. I think the jailer heard that and probably thought, I can't believe these guys are still drunk, you know? Why are these guys so excited? This is, this is nuts. But pay attention because their testimony stood out and when the jailer found himself in a place of need, he very, very clearly knew who to ask for help. Acts 16, starting in verse 25. About midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved in your household. Paul and Silas had, a, had an opportunity to act in an uncommon way, which led to God doing the work in the heart of another. And he says, I've got to have what you guys have. I was just about to die. I thought you guys... We're off when you were first here. And now it's obvious to me. God is showing me that I need what you have. We need to be not only having a heart for those that are close to us, but we need to be as a church family working to reach souls that we can do better together. Calvary wants to provide opportunities beyond just individual evangelism when we are joining forces. We should, first of all, be known as a caring church. Our reputation is very important. I'm not saying that we have to be politically correct. In fact, with a lot of people, we are not politically correct. There's no doubt about it. But there should be no question as to the love that this church, and when I say church, I'm looking at all of you, there should be no question as to the love that this church has, the reputation that we have in our community. You know, we're blessed with a building that can be used in a number of ways. Some of them aren't evangelistic efforts, but we just show the community that we care. Like, let the Red Cross use the building for a blood drive. 
People appreciate that. We let the community uh, use the building for, for voting. Been doing that for a long time. I talked to a gentleman years ago who was here voting, or he came to visit the church. And he said, well, I was looking to go to church somewhere, and this is where I voted, so I figured I might as well go to church there and see what that church is all about. Doesn't always work out necessarily, but the point is this. The community around us should know that we care. And then, of course, we are blessed to be able to minister to many parachurch ministries. Um, The Gideons use our building for their training times. Child Evangelism Fellowship, they use the building. Uh, The Pregnancy Resource Center of Lapeer. We do our best to share and be generous. But more than that, we as a church family want to provide opportunities for you to be acting in an uncommon way. Now, let's just not get stuck on the idea that nobody outside of the body of Christ does nice things. There are plenty of people that volunteer at a soup kitchen that don't know Jesus Christ. But when you and I have that in our heart, that is something that God definitely can use. We as a church family have opportunity to participate in food drives, to give out food to those that are in need. The Refuge, which is the the, the homeless ministry in our area, we participate in that. Many of you participate in the jail ministry, Bible studies to those that are in jail who, who need that. Community involvement, involvement in your schools, and in your neighborhood. I talked to a friend a couple days ago, and he's taken this very, very seriously. He said, I want to be a good name to the people in my neighborhood. They know I'm a Christian. And so he's taken on uh, driving his tractor and shoveling the driveways. I talked to him on Friday, and I said, well, what time did you start this morning? He said, I started at 4.30 this morning, scooping out all the driveways. How many did you do? I did seven. Seven of my neighbor's homes. Clear them out so they could get to work. He's working to share the love of Jesus Christ that God has shown to him. And yes, there are some who don't know Christ that can show kindness, but you and I should not have a choice. We must act in an uncommon way. There will be more ways presented next Sunday at our ministry fair, ways you can be involved. Our uh, missions committee presents regular opportunities for you to be involved. This is one of our main objectives, expressing God's love. And then finally, um, how can we as a church family encourage you? Evangelism in the Calvary family will take the gospel around the world. Here's what it will look like. Prayers, money that's given for individuals to come to Christ who you will never see them face to face until we get to glory. This is the command that Jesus Christ gave. Take the gospel To those that are around you, yes, but take it to the other side of the world. And so we're blessed. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, that's what I'm going to read from, Acts 1, 8. It'll be on the screen for you. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Calvary has answered the New Testament call to send the gospel to people who we will likely never see in this world. Some of our newest partners are Jordan and Emily Barentz. This is a long-haul missionary. They are going to go to a place in Papua New Guinea that does not have a church and has not heard the gospel. 
That's not just as simple as going in and handing them some literature. They're going to learn the language. They're going to put a Bible in the language of that unique people group and then plant a church. I asked Jordan when we met up a couple years ago, how, how long does this take usually? At least 10 years. 10 years before you get the results? There are others that are easier. Many of you participate in the uh, Christmas shoebox. The gospel goes out with some gifts for some children. That's enjoyable to participate in that. And then also we have the Carnell family. Um, do we have a video, Sandy, of the Carnells? This is one of our missionaries. Let me, before we play it, can you pause it? All right. The Carnells had a heart a long time ago when they were in a foreign country and they saw kids playing in, in the dump. They were living in the dump, in the junkyard. They wanted to take them the gospel. Since then, they've gone to minister to people that were involved in child trafficking, rescuing them from that and partnering in the gospel. And then this is the most recent video they gave us. Jerry and Dawn Carnell with Extreme Response, and we live in between Georgia, but we work globally with Extreme Response International. The first quarter of 2022 is shaping up to be an incredible year with tremendous impact. I'm going to be spending time in Brazil with one of our ministry partners. Following that, we have leaders from around the world. 70 leaders are coming into this area to get training through our Leader Mundial program, and they're going to go home and impact their communities. And then following that, we're heading to South Africa, where we'll be ministering alongside our Dream Center Children's Ministry, working with our staff and our ministry partners there. We have a great new thing going on in the Philippines. Philippines is now opening post-COVID, and we're in uh, meetings almost daily with our staff there getting ready to launch new dream centers there. So we ask you to continue praying for us. And we want to say thank you. Thank you for the decades of wonderful, faithful prayers and support. We are so thankful to be a part of the Calvary Bible family. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Do you think that any of you who know Jesus Christ are going to meet Jerry and Don in heaven and say, what a waste of time. Not a one. These wonderful people who know the saving grace of Jesus Christ and they cannot help but use their entire lives to share it with others. And so I would close with this, just with this question are you fully convinced that if you continue as you are, that you're honestly doing what God would have you to do in the area of evangelism? And if the answer is yes, then go with boldness. If the answer is, I'm not sure, then would you pray? Pray for God to lead you to be consistent in this area. And if the answer is no, then ask God to move you to where He wants you to be. As a church family, we are taking the gospel message to the people that we share life with, the people in our communities, and the people around the world. We've given you a few different resources. Um, this is the Gospel of John put out by the Billy Graham Association. It has, it's clearly just the, you know, the, the, the book of the Bible, John, in there. There's also the plan of salvation. You can hand these out to people. I've given these out. There's some available in the entryway. 
This is one's a little bit more specific. Uh, this is called Seven Wonders. It asks questions like, why do I exist? Why is there pain in the world? Is there life after death? And this might be um, help for you. These cost us about a dollar each. You can take them for free. If you want to write a check and buy a whole bunch of these for the church family, that would be wonderful. Um, both different ways where you can share the gospel. But I hate for us to walk through the idea of wasting time. You see, some people view it as a waste of time. But others, others who have been loved, they do not see it as a waste of time at all. There's a familiar story from long ago about an old man who used to go to the ocean to do his writing. And he had a habit of walking on the beach every morning before he began to work. And early one morning, he was walking along the shore after a big storm had taken place the night before. And on this huge beach, he saw it littered with thousands upon thousands of starfish that had washed up on the sand, as far as the eye could see, starfish. And off in the distance, the man noticed a small boy that was walking towards him. And every now and then, the boy stopped and bent down and looked like he was picking up one of those starfish, and then he threw it into the ocean. And as the boy kept getting closer, the man asked him about what he was doing. Good morning, the man said. May I ask what it is that you're doing? Well, the boy paused what he was doing, and he looked up, and he replied, well, I'm throwing starfish into the ocean. You see, the tide has washed them up on the beach and they can't return to the sea by themselves. And when the sun gets high, they're going to die unless I throw them back into the water. And the old man looked around him and saw thousands upon thousands of starfish. And he said, I'm, not, I'm afraid you're not going to be, make very much of a difference with what you're doing. And at that, the boy knelt down and picked up a starfish. And he threw it as hard as he could into the ocean. And he said... It made a difference to that one. What you need to aim for is one. Maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. Work on that and then celebrate what God has done. Aren't you glad that somebody showed you that somebody showed you the way of Christ? Won't they be glad? when you're faithful. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, this task of evangelism is, is daunting to us sometimes. And it seems like there's ebbs and flows so often. Would you allow us, Lord, to not, not get discouraged? Would you allow us to understand that you're the one that does the adding, but you expect us to be faithful? We thank you. We thank you for revealing salvation to us so that we could accept and we thank you in advance for putting a burden in our heart. I would pray this moment that the Holy Spirit would put a burning in the hearts of individuals that they might see men and women, boys and girls come to Jesus Christ and use whatever tool they have for that. I want to give you a chance to pray about this this morning. While the piano plays through, would you take a moment and pray? I'd point some of you to pray for a specific name someone that you know, maybe in your family or someone you're connected with, pray for them by name and then pray for yourself by name. There are some 
that come to Jesus Christ when they hear the message preached in a church like today. If you've never accepted Christ, the gospel is Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you could have fellowship with the Father. You are a sinner, but Christ died for your sins. And even in this very moment, you can say, God, forgive me a sinner and make me your son, make me your daughter. And he promises to forgive you based on the work of Jesus Christ. Start the prayer. Let him finish it.